0: FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to Castaway, our podcast, and we have a great team back again, myself, Chris, Uh, we have Kerry and Tom also. Hello, guys. Morning, guys. guys. So after a brief hiatus holiday... Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to go through a bit of the news that's happened since I've been away, just just very quickly. There's been quite a bit of it. Sir. Exactly. So here we go. So what's happened since I've been away? We've had fighting erupt in Azerbaijan between the enclave of ethnic Armenians and the government. Uh, Macron has visited Belarus, uh, opposition leader in Lithuania. Uh, Donald Trump has got COVID and then reportedly recovered. Well, he's left hospital,
1: at least. I think that's highly
0: questionable. But, yes. Uh, um, he's also nominated his candidate for vacancy on the US Supreme Court. Uh, Lebanon's failed to form a government. Amnesty International has closed its office in India, citing the government closing their bank accounts. Uh, Shell has announced a 9,000 job cut. TikTok ban has been halted by a judge, over the a doubt over the law banning it. Uh, Disney's laid off 28,000 workers. Uh, VW has invested $17 billion in China for electric cars, trying to compete with Tesla. Uh, the House Democrats have unveiled a new $2.2 trillion stimulus package, after the last one was rejected by the Republicans. And we've had our first presidential inverted columns debate. <laughs> uh, and Christmas has been cancelled, Chris. Christmas has been cancelled, especially, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's winter of discontent. But uh, a, few, a few things that have happened since we've been away. But uh, anyway, straight into our markets, what uh, people are obviously here to listen about. So let's go over some of the indexes, uh, what we've seen over the week and, and changes. So let me start in terms of oil and products. So Brent, uh, last Tuesday, 41.56. Uh, yes, last night was 42.65. That's up 2.6%. In terms of the fuel oils, SYNC 380 seen a decrease in 1.72% at 239.66 last night. Uh, the Rotterdam equivalent high sulfur fuel oil has been up 3.37% week on week. Singapore, 05 uh, was up slightly 0.9% at 31936 uh, and the rot 0.5%, 301.75, which is up 2.9%. And then implied values uh, for those people who are scrubber vessels. Uh, the High 5 has um, moved up uh, point, uh, 9.76%, 79.7. And the Rotterdam equivalent up 1.41 at 71.75. Uh, Kerry, what we see in the indexes in terms of freight?
1: Uh, quite a lot of movement on the Cape. Uh, the Cape last night was 34293 That was up 600 bucks on the day, but $11,000 on where we were last week, uh, 45% for those of us who can do math. So quite an impressive jump. Um, the Panamax, however, has been incredibly flat. Uh, it's 11213 as of yesterday. Uh, that was up 100 bucks on the day and $30 on the week. So, uh, Panamax has remained remarkably range-bound. Cool. Tom, what about the iron
2: ore? And Then on the iron ore, the 62%, the most liquid contract, uh, up from 118.95, 3.5% to 123, spot 15. And the 65%, the slightly higher quality uh, product, up from 129.5 to 134, spot 40. So, a move of 3.7% up.
0: Cool. Thank you. Uh, In terms of Wet FFA's TC two has been almost flat, eighty six eleven to eighty five eighty three, down point three percent. TC five a bit more movement, sixty eight fifty moved to seventy one eighty eight, up four point nine percent. The main route was liquid route TD three C, um, down point six five percent to twenty six forty six, uh, and TD twenty five for those who are interested, forty six quarter to thirty nine fifty eight, down fourteen point four percent. And to wrap up the indexes, a bit on air freight. Uh, Hong Kong to Europe route is up 2.7% to $3.53 a kilogram. Uh, Shanghai to Europe up 2.3% to $4.01. Hong Kong to USA uh, is up 4.8% to $5.46. Shanghai to USA is down uh, 0.78% to $5.04. And Frankfurt to USA up 0.8% at $3.78. So a nice little review of our indices so far. Uh, one bit of news I think is definitely causing uh, movement especially in financial markets, uh, is that of the stimulus package in the US, $2.2 billion. But Trump came out and said that no more discussions on this until till my election. And then has retracted that, hasn't he, Tom? Well to a certain extent.
2: Yeah, so it was... Peeled back uh, this morning to some degree, said that there may still be a package available for airlines uh, and a couple of other industries. So not a complete repeal as we were being told it would be last night, Um, but still, I think a long way from anything actually being done. If you drill into some of the articles that are being published about it, whilst there's still a big delta between what the Democrats are wanting to offer the 2.2 trillion and, and what the Republicans are willing to offer. I think around 1.6 is a big delta there. But I think a lot of the holdup is around what that money will actually be spent on, yeah. uh, even if they can agree a, a top line number. But it, yeah, it's headline roulette again, really, uh, with sort of the Twitter coming out of uh, out of the Oval Office uh, or wherever he's held up at the moment. Um, and yeah, really, really moving the markets quite aggressively again. i sure we get a lot more of that pimple stuff before we get to the uh, 3rd of November. I think there, there were four, 40 tweets in the
1: space of two hours last night.
2: <laughs> cool. Well, we know what some people do with their evenings.
1: Yeah, um, well, we, we know that he's having a good time on the steroids they've given him. At least, yeah, anyway. Uh, well.
0: well, let's move off uh, Kerry's favourite politician. Uh, onto his market's... <laughs> Markets. So, um, Tom, what we've obviously seen a little bit push up in terms of uh, those
2: indices week on
0: week. Uh,
2: why? Uh, well, I think it's golden week this week, as I think we touched on last week, um, which means China is basically on holiday uh, for the whole week and into golden week starting on Friday of last week, there was a real, real squeeze on the onshore uh, product, uh, which drove drove the market very, very aggressively north over a very, very short period uh, on Thursday or Wednesday afternoon, um, which sort of belies the the sort of fundamentals that the market, I think, is now starting to bring into focus. I think given China's not in, um, there's a lot of chatter has started this week about whether the sort of price is sustainable at these levels. Um, I think broad consensus is people think that it's not, and um, people are now starting to talk about uh, two do- uh, two-digit iron ore again, so below $100 uh, again. I think that that talk is being driven largely by Vale uh, bringing on some more tonnage, and if you look at their export figures and Australia's export figures over the last uh, week, last few weeks, and last couple of months, uh, Brazil uh, set a record high for the month of September. Um, Uh, or recent record, and I think the second highest ever deliveries or exports from Brazil uh, over over the course of September. Australia, Port Hedland, their biggest export port for ore, has been smashing records as well. Busiest ever month in June, and September figures likely to to be a new high for September as well. So there's huge amounts of volume being pumped uh, into the market. And if you look at the demand side, steel output uh, in China is... It's still there, but it has its biggest ever stockpile of rebar uh, that it's ever had well, in this time of year.
1: Of here. It's, it's something like double the, the median for the last few years, isn't it? More than twice the five year average, yet. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. So just, just ste- to pick
0: up on the um, uh, Varley stuff, because we were obviously looking at those figures uh, weeks ago and going, this is going to be a serious um increase in in production that's needed to be able to fulfill the levels they're going to see are we going to get anywhere near that are we moving towards those levels of you're saying that obviously recent record second highest ever will they get anywhere near that figure that they said they
2: would i think they'll get above their above the 300 million tons by the looks of things but their original forecast was 310 to 330 range i think that will still be a stretch but i think it's probably more than the market was maybe pricing in. And and I think everyone's sort of anticipating weakness in Q4 and probably off the back of a, a, a dead week this week in terms of index and Chinese activity. Uh, I think people are, are likely expecting a, a significant shunt down uh, in the coming weeks, if not directly next week. I think one figure that is worth noting, um, the Australian uh, budget was released last week uh, and they... Is a naturally conservative estimate. It's a government budget. Uh, but so much of um, Australia's budget is is funded by iron ore um, that it's, it's worth taking note of. They're forecasting a price of iron ore at the end of Q2 next year of $55 a tonne, um, so less than half from where we are now. That's obviously a conservative figure, so I wouldn't yeah. expect it to go that low, but it's a significant chunk from where we are currently.
1: I, I think that it's important to remember that Vale – First off, did reduce that upper end of the target slightly. I believe yep. they revised the production target to three hundred and ten to three hundred and twenty, right? Yeah, they did. Uh, yep. And so that seems that range seems very achievable now. I think for them, um, I am actually hearing some rumors from a from a friend in Brazil that that Bale's had a, a a definite change in strategy. That um, they have made a decision consciously to push every available ton out the door, um, even if it costs quality slightly um or drops the fe content a little bit on uh on a few of those shipments and this could be what's been driving uh some of that incredible demand in october that's driven up rates uh on the freight as well
0: yeah so we could be seeing some uh nice christmas bonuses for all those uh managers on the brazilian uh mines for vale then (laughs) well there you go there you go, but um, Kerry, you were you were starting to move on to something else in terms of the freight side. So why don't we continue with with that train of thought? Because we've seen what was it, eleven thousand move week on week.
1: On week Cakes. on week on the Cakes, yeah. So a forty five percent jump week on week, uh, which is which is really remarkable. Um, you know, uh, I don't think anyone expected the cake strength to lead to such a rapid rise at first. Um, but you know, again, it started with this demand from Vale. Um, as, as we just discussed. Um, there are rumors as of yesterday that they were paying $23 for uh, a ton for the C3 uh, for vessels that can make October later. Um, you know, there are some rumors that 24 has even been paid by one of the Brazilian miners. Now, uh, again, this is also very prompt business, though. I think what's happened as well is the North Atlantic on the coast has been incredibly tight to tonnage. That's driven up rates on uh, Continent uh, to, to very, very high levels. You're seeing 55,000 in index uh, for the haul uh, off the continent on the case now. And that has really taken everyone, I think, a little bit by surprise as well. Uh, you know, especially given you know it starts to launch talk of cake split, uh, which we haven't seen en masse yet, but it's something to watch out for. Um, so, yeah, we've seen a lot of action on that freight, largely driven by the cakes. Um, it's worth noting here that if we look down the curve, uh, there's a very, very heavy discount on the rest of October and for November. In fact, where October is trading now gives an implied balance of month of uh, around 25, 300. And so you're looking at nine to 10,000 discount for the rest of the month. So people are assuming that this index is not sustainable where it is right now. Um, again, the November contracts trading back down to around twenty-one thousand today. So, a real, scared.
0: real prompt squeeze, then.
1: There it is. It's a very prompt squeeze. I think there's a big question mark over how long this can last. Um, having said that, one interesting thing here is that it's not bleeding over into the Panamaxes just yet. Um, you know, there's always talk, especially with rates off the continent now. You know, looking more like sort of triple. Or more uh, on the cakes compared to where the panamaxes are um, for delivery off the camps. There's always chatter that builds over cape splits. So far, we've seen a couple of people like Coke and RWE split cakes uh, for their front hall cargoes, but really we haven't seen it on mass at all. Um, and and you know, cake splits are one of these things that. Are always easier said than done. I think it builds a lot of optimism around the panamaxes, um, but interestingly, like I said, we haven't really seen that optimism filter into a in rates, the substantial market on the panamax. Uh,
2: why, why do you think that is, Kerry? Because normally the big ships have the sort of ability to drag the whole shipping market up, the whole index north if they're really pumping. We haven't seen that at all flow through. I
1: think that very interesting. I mean, I think first of all, people are, are just generally unwilling to split. I think this this idea that that um, people will rapidly split capes as soon as it hits double the Panamax cost is is kind of has always been a falsehood, right? Um, now at these extreme rates, you would think we would start seeing a few more splits, but that doesn't account for the fact that people may have cargos that are unable to be split. They may be at a berth that's not suitable. They may be, you know, loading from a port that really only is cost efficient on a cape and it's worth paying that difference. So this is something that tends to drive optimism on the Panamaxes. And it has a little bit on the, on the futures. You've seen the futures... For the uh, for the balance of month for October, given where the futures are trading, uh, they're pricing in about twelve three hundred for the balance of October, and indeed the November Panamax trading at twelve three fifty now. So, you know, I think you are looking at about a thousand dollars premium over the spot right now priced in on the futures, but it's still not as much as you would expect. You know, you'd, you'd think people are expecting this to to really soar, and at the moment, it's just not happening. Um, it's just not happening at all. We're not seeing enough cape splits in practice to actually drive that. And, you know, the Pacific on Panamax is also keeps it very steady. It's just been very balanced, even plentiful. So, you know, so I think it's, it's unlikely to move anything.
0: I'm sure they're looking at that news that Tom alluded to from the Australian government and not looking too positively at Q2 next year either. Yeah, especially when I imagine Vala have gone, well, we've done our year commitment this year. We can reevaluate going forward again and q2 isn't looking too great on that kind of estimate of of iron ore price and, that's, that's volumes. Really good.
1: and you know tom i think you probably have some input here too right i mean Vale is giving a little bit of mixed messaging right now it seems to me so you know as we say there does seem to have been in practice a change in strategy for the remainder of this year to push out every available time but at the same time i see a number of people talking about Vale starting to gradually restrict production again next year um what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Uh, Tom? Well, I mean there
2: from a price perspective, obviously, there would be some sense in restricting production, I guess, but um, yeah there, we were talking last week or the the week before I can't remember that you know there there are these new mines that are forecast to be coming on from vale, um, which will be you know a fairly decent increase in, in annual tonnage from them. Um, so I, I think it, if China's prepared to, to, to pay for it, they'll, they'll ship it. Uh, so I think it's ultimately a, a demand-led uh, concern. Um, and mm-hmm. I think if, the, if we're, talk- you know, we're talking about steel surpluses, that, the likes that we've, that we've never seen, and a complete lack of demand from anywhere to really, to, to really genuinely pick that up, other than what we're seeing in, in, in terms of China's recovery, um, you know, with this second wave that's definitely going through Europe, definitely going through America by the looks of things now as well. Um, it does remain to be seen where that demand pickup for steel and ultimately then iron ore is going to come from uh, in, the, in yeah. the next few months. So uh, it's, I, I think it goes back to what we were saying right at the beginning of when we started this podcast is, is how much can China actually pick up and, and, and if China will keep picking up the slack, then it will keep coming out of Brazil. Talking of picking up the slack,
0: um, why don't we move on to another commodity. So oil-wise um, has been moving around, especially on the news of of Trump and the his virus contraction and everything since. Uh, but one thing which uh, we've been tracking for a little while, which we wanted to just bring people's to attention, um, is what's happening on the high five. So the high five being the difference between Uh, Very low sulfur fuel oil and high sulfur fuel oil, or another name being the the scrubber spread. Uh, And we had seen levels in January, we do keep referencing it at like 320, and we dropped all the way down to 50 bucks. uh, And we are now seeing it move back up again. Uh, So this morning, um, we had uh, the 77 on the sink. Uh, and up to seventy on the down, thats the November futures. So we're seeing that that spread between the two uh, increase, and that's been driven mainly by uh, strength in terms of demand for the 0.5%. Uh, we had previously, in the middle of the the COVID crisis, had uh, you know we were awash with 0.5%. Uh, yeah, we really was depressed, and we we saw those levels come down. That's what slammed it down to to fifty dollars, and also the fact that gas or seems to be relatively. Uh, not moving up with it. So if you also look at the spread between the the fuel oil and the gas oil, that has narrowed considerably uh, across September and has uh, somewhat come off this morning. But in terms of, if you look across the last month, uh, has really strengthened. We went up to about minus minus 18 uh, at the start of this week. And we had been down in levels which were really significantly negative, like minus 60 at the start of September uh, on the September stuff. So we've seen that really push up uh, in terms of uh, across September, and again, if you're looking at 0.5%, that is um sort of slowly crept up on you in terms of, of prices relative to everything else. Uh, and then just some some points in terms of OPEC and their their cut. We know we had their original one, they peeled that back a bit, but we are having the finger pointed at certain countries who aren't fulfilling their compliance. Uh, this week has been pointed at Iraq, uh, who decided that actually, no, we, we, we've we've Try and do as, too, as much production as we can without getting too told off, uh, but that has definitely been the focus uh, in the last few days as well right. in terms of country compliance of an amount OPEC are producing. But it was somewhat tempered by the news of uh, Norwegian workers' strike over the weekend. See, big producer in the North Sea, uh, and that strike could affect up to 300,000 barrels of oil um, in, in the North Sea. Uh, but, Is that the main driver right now,
1: you think, sort of
0: keeping rates... I think it's somewhat similar to other markets in terms of so this pinball effect. Someone says one thing and then it reverses. So focus was a few days ago on, on OPEC at the end of last week, uh, Iraq, other countries, um, strong arming by Saudi Arabia, who's basically the big brother of OPEC, going, come on, guys, uh, are you actually going to do this? We had previously done more more than our fair share and you're not even keeping to it. Um, and then you had the, the Norwegian strike over the weekend, Uh, So it's not too much of a movement. And that's reflected in the indexes, which point, I mean, at um, 2.6%, 41.56 to 42.65. We're caught in that kind of range. Uh, We had a previous range, which was higher, and we've just dropped down again. But in terms of longer term movements, if you look at the curve, the forward curve, um, high fives, apart from the front few months, which I just quoted seventy. The Rock 77 on this thing. most of it is around 71 to 75 bucks across the whole curve out to the Cal 21s and everything. It's very, very flat. And the same is true of, of spreads. You're looking at things between minus one and, and plus one on, on most spreads this front month. So there's not too much of a well, it's not reflected in the futures too much of a, an opinion of where this is going. It's just, yeah, exactly. I
1: was going to say, it seems like the market just doesn't, yeah, it's just like, is uh, the best description <laughs> I to, of it. Um,
0: yeah, I'm sure there's things which are happening and building in terms of where this is going to go. There's another new story. I think it was oilprice.com was talking about, um, okay, so we're going to get to a stage next year where you could have a world economy which is recovering. Things are kicking off again. And because of that period um, previous to COVID because the price collapse and then the real big price collapse in when the crisis hit, the lack of investment in future production and what's happening in the U.S. with lower production as well is going to potentially cause a problem where you have that gap between what can immediately be supplied and what the increasing demand as things get properly back to normal happens. So you could have a situation next year where everyone goes, ah, we've suddenly now got that, not got what we needed, and that curve will definitely move the opposite way around in terms of flattening, and what then you're gonna get a huge increase on those prompt months as demand really increases and the supply is just really not there. A real potential for next year of some, some fun. But uh, talking of fun, why don't we go to something which is clearly not fun uh, for anyone involved, and that is the wetter market, which has uh... been flatter than a, a month-old leftover <laughs> Coke bottle. I think <laughs> those. That, I mean, we we referenced those uh, at the start, in terms of the the index rates um, for the uh, TD three, obviously one which a lot of people look at. I mean, you're you're in the twenties. I mean, I remember when we we started this. Uh, it was during the Q... Uh, Covid crisis was about Q two start Q two when everyone was going onshore uh, offshore storage they're buying up tankers and we went to over two hundred grand a day on on these tanker rates and now you're looking at a dollar per metric ton <coughs> twenty six and a half um, so you're really stuck in the doldrums the only real m- bit of news which is happening there is uh, on uh, the the um, storm the US Gulf. So yeah. Weather but, activity. I mean, it's not as bad as previously, previously being done, but that could have an impact uh, on things, especially those clean routes, the TC2, TC14. Um, but it, as, as a market, it is definitely not a happy one and not very much moving on, on things.
1: And is that all? I mean, I suppose that's all just destocking effectively in the floating storage, right? Destocking, the oil market, as I said, being. Eh,
0: uh, have not much to move. The US exports are down. better uh, is disrupting that. So you've seen that in terms of, of disruption on the TD-22 route, the US-China. I know we, we talked about the, the US-China trade deal where they've hardly made a dent into the
2: the levels of oil products that they said that they would
0: buy. So TD-20 is the US-China route. No. There's instance, also a huge amount of
2: oversupply in the market as well. Like you, I was reading something this morning. There's scrapping le- levels of, of tankers uh, are essentially multi-year lows because there there is it's, there is incentive to to keep old ships on the water as floating storage at the moment they don't necessarily have to move they don't have to travel um, but they can be can be used as floating storage so you have a massive overs well not massive but there's there's much more oversupply from a pure available tonnage at the moment as well uh, than you would normally have because ships are just not getting scrapped at the same rate that they would normally be done.
0: Yeah, now in terms of, I was talking in terms of uh, a physical broker talking about the market, which happened. We're, we're talking about that where they were using all for floating storage, the price going up through the roof, and the way that it had been traded and the way the futures market had gone through, a lot of money was, I guess, put into the wrong places on that. And it also came off very yeah. quickly again as well. So that, kind of, that stung the market. And now you're sitting at levels which uh, are not impressive at all. But uh, yeah. Hopefully something kicks off again. I know it's been very quiet for several weeks now on on that market. Um, Yeah. No fun on tankers. But... uh uh, happening on
1: uh, fertilizer, though. Fertilizer. So so
0: we referenced the hurricane, and that's obviously having um, uh, an impact, too, on the fertilizer business, um, especially in terms of of NOLA. But overview, uh, urea indexes um, have slid uh, by a couple of bucks, um, all but Brazil. Uh, Brazil's up a dollar um, and it does seem that that kind of uh, will continue Uh, indexes printing hard this week with physical done at 260 bucks in Egypt and 270 in Brazil Uh, but producers are raising their offers um, ahead of um, of India Uh, tender so we've got that there shortly we'll have India's RCF announced a new purchasing tender that was uh, today uh, the tender is for, we don't know what level, what what size yet, but uh, we'll be closing on the 9th of October uh, for shipment on the 15th. Um, also seeing expected 1 million tonnes available in China, 300,000 uh, 300, tonnes available in Arab Gulf, and the Black Sea would have about 100 to 150. So uh, expecting this to
2: be quite a weak price then, I imagine. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, if, you, if you're looking at the DAP and the MAP, continue to be firm though, and indexes have have reflected that. Uh, with physical supply still looking fairly
1: tight, but um, Egypt and Egypt urea have been pretty heavily it, haven't they as well? Yeah,
0: sure. yeah, and that's stalled as well. International urea stalled. Um, so um, fair, okay, in terms of of the DAP and MIP remaining firm, but yeah, urea is sliding somewhat into uh, into the end of this week. So, guys, uh, any more further points before we do a last commodity on the freight or iron ore? I think that's all
1: for me. I think I think it covered
0: everything. Cool. well, let's fly on to our last little bit. We uh, obviously had our new section of index this morning, where we we're referencing some air freight indexes. Um, what Are you that? trying
1: to Alex just place on the puns here with the
0: no, 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 I would never ever do such a thing, and I could never have such terrible puns
1: to complete. <laughs> but uh, bunker sea freight
0: volumes uh, have started to spill into the uh, air cargo market, um, which has still seen very limited uh, capacity due to... I mean, we all know what's happened to airlines with with this crisis. No one's going anywhere soon, apart from Kerry on his holidays. Um, but year on year, air freight capacity globally is still down around 20 to 60%, depending on which, which lane you're looking at. But I guess one point which could revive the the fortunes of airlines is if we get a vaccine. Speed of vaccine distribution, they're going to need to use air freight for a lot of it. Uh, And I know there's various people who have done more in-depth studies on this, if you you want to go into this a bit more. But uh, this
2: could be... The the problem with relying on vaccines to bring it back to life is that a lot of them, by the sounds of things, will require to be transported at seriously low, low temperatures, like minus 60 Fahrenheit or, or degrees. I can't remember which one, but that requires very specialist um, uh, containers to move it. And there's definitely not the capacity of those medical, uh, medical TEUs uh, to, to, to move uh, the volume of, of, of vaccine that we're talking about. So
1: I think that price will get squeezed even more. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that you're looking as well at a situation that's going to echo what we saw in the PPE sort of madness earlier this year when you had every government bidding against each other to get the shipments of PPE. And that included the air freight. That helped to really increase the spike on the air freight uh, even above what could already have been expected, right? You know, governments pay through the nose. Uh, and I expect. Should a vaccine be released, then that, that same situation would be triggered again. You just have an international bidding war um, of epic proportions to, to get these shipments as soon as possible. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But again, you know, how can we get the, the actual timing of that? That's the issue. So something to watch, right?
0: Yeah, and I think it will be... Either a very depressing end of the year or one that could throw up a few surprises. So we will obviously withhold Kerry's opinion on the November the 3rd, uh, but we will obviously keep our eyes on what's going on with the pinballing activities of that stimulus package, which has a huge impact in terms of the world economy if that 2.2 trillion is agreed Um, and everything else is moving. But I guess overall, a picture on most of these commodities looking at our indexes is slightly up, to sum it up in a phrase. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Kerry uh, and Tom. Technical
2: terminology that's slightly yeah. up. <laughs> slightly up. So,
0: if you listen to it all the way through, you've actually got a sum <laughs> at the end where you'd love to listen to everything, and it's slightly up. Cool. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Kerry. And do everyone who's listening join us next week for an update of all those freight and commodities and everything happening.
1: Thank you, Cheers, Chris. Have a good one.